From Atlanta News First Plus, this is Sports Tonight. Now, from Atlanta News First Welcome in to Sports Tonight, everyone. Emily Gagnon here with Scott Pennyman. I'm a little close to the camera. We're going to make it work today. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, all in your happen. face today. Things happen. We, we just have to make it work. It's all good, though, right? The, the camera took an off day. So, uh, <laughs> but we, we can't. We don't take off days here today or ever. So, sure. uh, this, this is what you're getting from us. Both of us are a little, little sniffly. It's fine. So, for, so forgive us. For, I, got, I got you sick, as a matter of fact, probably. Yeah, Scott was extra sniffly last week, and now I am catching up. I saw it coming. <laughs> I saw it coming, as a matter of fact. Once we. Um, because we did Falcons together. I saw it coming. Yeah. You knew I was gonna get it. Yeah. I mean, I I think like when we were, you know, when we did Falcons together and we were out there. Yeah. Just sort of, it really gave me the feel of, um, you know, that you were going to get sick. Okay. That's That's what made me feel bad. So I stayed out a couple of days. And you did. As you could tell, on my, my days off. <laughs> and as you can tell, my voice really isn't. It's not where really needs to be right now, right? So you don't sound bad by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if it was a flu or what, whatever. Look, it was really bad. It's been going around. A lot of people were sick, so whatever. I but I guess I'm not in as bad a shape as Arthur and those guys, right? Yeah, Arthur and those guys, not good. Um, we're still getting Scott set up. But here oh, we go, fine. Scott. Michigan wins it all last night. What is their, their first national championship victory since 1997, I think? Am I right? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a while since Michigan. Yeah, I think they got the, what the, when they beat Washington State back in 97, and Ryan Leaf. Yeah. It's, Big win. It's, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, we agree on this, and we don't always agree on a lot of things, but we do agree on this. Agree, right? uh, Michigan looked delicious. Oh, yeah, I'm Mich- not a Michigan fan. I don't care. I'm just saying they looked good on offense, and they looked good on defense. Well, look, the entire season. I mean, I sat right here before the national championship game, and I talked about it. I said I thought Michigan was the best team in the country. Um, I thought they were kind of the cleanest team as far as when you look at their resume, when you look at how they play, when you look at their uh, how they play at the quarterback position, uh, offensive line, defense. They were the most complete team in the country the whole year, even though we covered, you, you know, we you covered UGA all season, right? And, you do too. Don't do that. We don't, both don't covered UGA. Yeah. But you talked about even you every week. You come on this show and you would talk about the different flaws you thought UGA had and how they were come how it was going to come crashing down at some point. It eventually came crashing down against Alabama, who got beat by Michigan. So we looked at the entire season. I thought, just in watching Michigan play, I thought they were the best team all year Did long. Did you watch from them top that much? I mean, I know you're an Ohio State guy, so yes. maybe you keep your eyes on them a little bit more sure. than I would since yeah. I'm all SEC. But uh, so you thought Yeah, broaden your horizons. No, 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 I'm good. Right. <laughs> I'm good on that, Scott. I enjoy right. the Alabamas and the Sorry. Georgias and the Ole Misses For sure. and the Floridas of the world. You enjoy maybe a little bit different. I enjoy style some Big Ten football. football. Yeah, um, sorry. I like I like defense. Um, and Michigan had a great defense last they night. Did. They did. They did. Um, you know, Hank is here helping us out, and Hank's a big Alabama guy. And really? I, I didn't get to talk to him about, about Avoid this. Hank right now. I, I didn't get to talk to him probably what since – I don't remember the last time we talked, Hank, but we haven't talked since oh, Alabama no. lost against Michigan. 
That's okay. Well, look. <laughs> look, Alabama oh, has like are. 37 championships. I mean, so look, if they if there's they never to, enough to go around, keep winning. 38. There's nothing they, wrong with they that. They won so many. I mean, so I, I can't feel sorry for them. Look, I think it's really big for the Big Ten, right? Don't we, it is. Don't, don't we have the Big Ten next year? Or we anyway? do. CBS yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's really good for the Big Ten. It gives them a lot of legitimacy outside of Ohio State because we know Ohio State has been a power for the Big Ten for some years. They've won a couple of national championships in the last 20 some years, which you know it's a low number for the Big Ten, right? Yeah. So I think Michigan, that's the second team in the Big Ten who's now won a national championship. So it gives a lot of legitimacy to the Big Ten conference because, you know, everything's been all SEC. A lot or just like they're catching up? I wouldn't say a lot of legitimacy. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say catching up just quite yet. But, I mean, I think. It's going to take a lot. Yeah, because I think everybody knew Ohio State and Michigan were two powerful teams, right? But you have to prove it on a big stage, and that's what Michigan did. They did do that last year. Yeah, they proved it on a big stage. And I think most of us thought once they got past Alabama – there was a probably high um, percentage, um, high probability that they would get past Washington. Um, Washington had trouble matching up up front against Michigan. It showed they couldn't match them in the trenches. Um, from a skill position standpoint, maybe they were pretty good. But when it comes down, we all know these big football games this time of year, they're one up front. When you look at Michigan's offensive line, their defensive line, they dominated Washington the entire game. So I'm not going to lie, I got kind of sleepy probably like two quarters in because – you knew. At least it wasn't like an 8 p.m. kick, though. They, they did it like right. 7.40 or something. Gave Good, because they knew we were going to go to sleep. Because yes. when you saw Michigan playing, when you saw how they were dominating up front, you sort of got a feel for the, the direction that the game was going to go. Okay. And I, I was wondering, um, Hank, did you watch the game last night? Oh, yes. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> See, I, I've been wondering how many people in the South really did watch that game, uh, simply because like uh, there wasn't an SEC team. Uh, and I, I really didn't feel, like, very committed to it. I watched the first little bit of it. Um, it did get exciting. Listen, in, folks, in the there first... is football outside the SEC, I'm just saying. Oh, you know? there, there is, no doubt. We saw that last night. But um, 25 million viewers peaked at okay. 28 million. That was according to ESPN. Most watched title game since LSU-Clemson in 2020. Look at that. I mean, so people cared, like, clearly. I mean, and I think it's, there's more the country cared, right? Because you have Michigan, who's in the Big Ten, one side it's of the very, country. It's central. Yeah, it's very central. You have the Pac-12, which is Washington, everything out there on that coast. And look, I mean. I'm not being a hater. I was just wondering. Yeah, we all know. From great, where we are. Yeah, look, we all know great football is played in the SEC. We all know it's the best, most powerful college football conference, true. But I think when you start thinking about the college football season as a whole, it does really good to have legitimacy to some of these other conferences. I mean, the Pac 12 got a team in there now, the Big Ten, which is we all knew was strong and, 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 um, at least Ohio State and Michigan. So it gives them a lot of legitimacy. So I think this is a good thing for college football. And Harbaugh, uh, Possibly, oh, maybe, probably leaving. Duke so. can pick his job right now. It doesn't matter. Duke can just pick wherever he wants to go right now. Jim Harbaugh. Um, but, I mean, would you think he's done with, like, the college ranks after what happened this past season? And do you think, listen, do you think that this title could be vacated? The NCAA no, has, I don't think has it's done be worse. The NCAA no. has done worse. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to be vacated. You know, I, I, I think that's um, – not for what I mean, oh. to me this is kind of similar. Ellie, Ellie is saying um, she wants Harbaugh to go to the Bears. Look, well, they haven't fired their coach yet, right? <laughs> so, so uh, Matt Matt Eberflus is still employed as a coach of the Chicago Bears. So I don't want to start uh, hiring people for jobs that are not open yet. Uh, but <laughs> just like a lot of people are saying, Bill Belichick's being connected to Atlanta right, right now, and it's like, well, he still has a job with the. Yeah, Pats. he still has a job. So yeah, look, Jim Harbaugh. When you look at the. The vacancies right now around the league, where there about five, there's now six vacancies because Mike Vrabel got fired today. So there's six vacancies around the NFL. When you look at those jobs, I think all those jobs were are 
he'd probably I be a candidate for here. all of them. If I were a head coach, or if I were a coach, period, looking, so coordinator, defensive, really? or offensive, or Falcons would be my first option. Well, you want to get into that now, then? No. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, there's nice weather here. I think it's a good way of life. No problem. And, One problem. And what? No they, they don't know how to win. No, no quarterback. That. Yes. I mean, but let, let's number eight overall pick, and make some trades, go down, do whatever you got to do. I'll um, tell you what, let's get the Falcons now, since we're here. We're going to get the Falcons now, since we're here. Wait, what? <laughs> Falcons. I said, you just want to just jump in the Falcons yeah, now, since we're here? let's do it. Kiffin on Falcons coach search. What is it? Lane Kiffin. Yes. When you look at his tweet yesterday, what well, well, his IG story yesterday, uh-huh. he thinks that Kirby Smart. That's trash. Would be the best choice for the Falcons. That's not happening. At head coach. Not ever. Really? No. You don't think so? Kirby's going to die in Athens, okay? Number one. Number two, the only way he leaves UGA is if he gets fired years down the road. Think so? Yes. He, if Alabama came open, he wouldn't even go there. That he, That is blood, sweat, and tears. Scott, don't do that. He's not leaving UGA. He loves college ball. The NFL is not interesting to him. I'm just he saying. He makes a ton of money. He's the king of Georgia. Quite literally, he could walk in anywhere right now in this state and get whatever he wants. If he went to the Falcons, that He'll is still not, be in the state. It's not happening. It's not happening. I don't even want to entertain this conversation. As a matter of fact, Sean had it with me in the newsroom during the break before sports. I told her that is not happening. It will never happen. If Kirby never? left, no. He's not going to the NFL. He's not doing it. And if he left Georgia, it's because he got fired. And then he'd go to another college program. I'm just saying, Emily, look. Like, I can't wait to see when Alabama opens and all the, <laughs> the you know, when Saban decides to retire and everyone's like, oh, Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. Kirby's not going anywhere. Kirby's staying right where he's at. He's not going anywhere. Just, he has everything he needs at the University of Georgia. Well, I, I don't doubt that, Emily. I'm just saying, when you look at, when you think about the high ego of some of these football coaches like Kirby Smart, he's okay, already wait, won a couple. I was, I was about to correct you on that. So, Kirby has no ego. Has no ego. No, and I'm not even a fan of Kirby. Two-time national champion. Has no ego, huh? If Kirby never spoke to a media member again, he'd be perfectly fine with it. Perfectly. He does it because he's obligated. I'm telling you, Lauren Smith, okay, who is a longtime UGA sideline reporter. Shout out to Lauren. And now he, um, you know, still is very involved with the team. He said Mm -hmm. of all the coaches, he literally told me this, of all the coaches that he's covered at UGA, Kirby's the one who doesn't have an ego. The only one. He said if he never had to talk to the media, be in front of a camera again, he would be perfectly fine with it. He just wants to coach the players. He wants to play football. Well, no, I don't. Look, I'm not even doubting that part of it. I'm just saying when you look at the ego almost all these guys right think about the great college football coaches in the last 20 plus years or so uh-huh. don't all of them sort of flirt with the nfl i mean the great nick saban he had won a national and championship nick at saban lsu is his he, is, is his savior and he saw what happened with saban when he left for the nfl that is his blueprint that is literally the blueprint. why can't the blueprint be p carroll who, who <laughs> left the college game won a couple won a national championship at usc he won a couple right and then went to the you seahawks and, and and won a super bowl I always think Pete Carroll, though, wasn't fully in love with college ball. Like, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I'll die on that sword until the day. I just think there's examples on either side. You're right. I mean, I think for a lot of for these Kirby guys. For me personally, who, just a guy who yeah. I've covered for seven years. For me personally, I don't see it ever happening. He would literally have to get rolled out of there uh, to leave UGA. And he's going to have to do some big, very big mistakes for to get fired. From, from yeah, Georgia. he's not getting fired. He'll he's have a job there out. for as long as he wants, in my for opinion. Sure. Three national championship trips in seven years. He lost one, one, two. I mean, look how close they were this season. I'm just saying, he's just fully committed. Just and makes think a about a ton of money. Just think about the great college football coaches of the last twenty plus years, right? Look at Kiffin Nick, is just stirring the pot. Nick, Nick Saban. He 
took his shot at the NFL, right? I just named I, I just named uh, Pete Carroll, who had some success there. Urban Meyer, who's one of the great college football coaches, did which he NFL? Have success in the NFL? No, 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 he didn't have success at the NFL. But I guess we're just speaking to right now is would Kirby entertain the thought of going to the NFL? No. And so when I, when I bring up those guys, those are three guys who had just as much success as Kirby Smart at their schools, and they toyed in with the, the first NFL. seven years. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, Pete, <laughs> Pete Carroll's USC run was crazy, you know. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm not ruling it out. I don't. No, I don't think he's gonna go. No, I don't think he's gonna entertain the NFL. But I'm just saying that the Falcons also don't draft Falcons. Uh, the Falcons don't draft dog players. Like they literally, it's a school right down the street, and they won't even touch UGA players. So all of a sudden, we won't touch UGA players, but we'll touch the head coach. <laughs> like we won't. Like that head coach coaches those players. We don't like those players, but we like the coach. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother problem right there. Do you get that, what that's I'm a whole saying? Issue. Like, no, that, I get what you're saying. That though. is yeah. that is wild to me. That's always been wild since the day I started here. That's something I learned very early on: is that Falcons don't draft dogs. And in my seven seasons here, that has birds not, don't like dogs. Quite literally. So if you're not going to touch UGA players who are coached by Kirby, don't go after Kirby. Don't do it. Don't that should be it. a rule pa you're saying? Patriots. Patriots go after Kirby because you draft dogs all day every day. So that's the criteria we're going by I'm now? just saying, you don't if you're not going to draft the players who are coached by that coach, don't go after them. No, don't do that's it. That's an interesting way of looking at things. I mean, I think it's pretty fair, but sh should we get to some Arthur Blank? You listen to Blank? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he talked a lot about it yesterday. Maybe he'll give some insights of who his next coach is going to be. We'll see. Arthur Blank met with the media 90 minutes, 90 minutes yesterday to explain the We're going to play on 90, though. No, no. <laughs> Explaining, uh, you want some of me and Scott. That's, we we yeah. won't give you 90 minutes But we'll minutes be back after this. Uh, but, yeah, l listen to what he has to say. There was never any discussion about any other quarterback path other than the one that Coach Smith and Terry and we supported, but they chose to take. Um, and this is not to def defend uh, either Taylor uh, or Dez, but our quarterback play this year was clearly deficient. But quarterback play includes, you know, scheme, play calling, other players, you know, there's a lot of things that go into what makes a quarterback successful or not. And how you transition a quarterback into the NFL with the level of complexity um, of plays you put in front of them and whether it matches where they are in their career path. There's a million things that go into it. That's all I'm, what I'm going to suggest is that, you know, I've learned a lot in 22 years, and that's one of the things. It says, so it's not just the player. It's um, the coach, the coaching. Many of these young men today in all positions come in the NFL today, they are diamonds in the rough, um, but they need to be polished um, and polished by uh, a great coaching staff. Um, and uh, so, I mean, Desmond, uh, I'd say Desmond would say the same thing. Taylor would say the same thing. It wasn't the kind of years that they, they hope to have personally, obviously for the club as well. Um, they'll continue to work on their crafts and continue to get better. Uh, and uh, who knows what the future will hold for Desmond, um, bright young man, committed, uh, team leader, athletic. Um, obviously not the kind of year that he wanted, not the kind of year we wanted. And Taylor Heineke uh, had a different track record uh, elsewhere and uh, played through a number of injuries this year. And uh, so we'll see. But, I mean, I, I don't – I mean, we – I know that I did, and I know that Mr. McKay did as well, uh, that – 
any option that the coach ever wanted relative to whether it be quarterback or any other position was completely supported by all of us 1,000%, 1,000%, without any equivocation. Gentlemen. Jared, how are you? Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Arthur. Thank you. Um, wondering how much weight you will put on previous head coaching experience. And, you know, Rich just talked about needing to, you know, to win sooner rather than later. You talked about, Arthur, the demands on the head coach and how it's changed. Given the fact that you've never hired a, a head coach, a, a, a coach with head coaching experience, NFL head coaching experience outside of Petrino, does that change now? Yeah, so I, I would say, Jared, that um, uh, for me, you know, I think I've hired two coaches in Tampa and then and then have been part of the ones here. Um, I, I think I I would say that I, I am inclined to say that the, the where you look should be incredibly broad and it should include head coaching experience. And I think there is something to head coaching experience. But it's got to be the right head coaching experience, and 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 that is not so easy uh, to find because uh, I it, it's not been easy for me to find over the years. Um, but I think if you find one and you should consider it, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Um, but I think also you have to on the coordinator side, you just have to take your time and make sure that you're paying attention to what is their experience, how many years have they been a coordinator. There's a lot of studies that have been done. On that, and I think you need to pay attention to that. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you shouldn't have a prior head coach, but I wouldn't also say that you have to be, you know, biased towards it. I think you just got to take your. I think the one thing that I knew back when the day when I first started in this league was this process used to be a race. That's what it used to be. It was a race, and all you did was get on the phone and race, and you pulled the trigger. You might not have. You might have interviewed him for an hour. Um, but you were scared. That is no longer the case, and therefore, the, to me, it makes it way better to do just what you described, which is bring all the candidates in, former head coaches um, and current coordinators, and let them you know, have an opportunity to speak and talk to you about your football team. Jared, I would add on, um, you know, I know you've been around the league, been around the game longer than I've, than I've been. I, I don't know how many years, but very long, and long storied career as a reporter and a journalist um, don't want to you know salute you for that um, I, I do think today being a head coach in the NFL is more demanding and more complex um, players uh, I think are um, you know coming into the NFL with a different set of um, life experiences today often expectations uh, and so I think a head coach has to Part of his job is to, you know, be a, sometimes be a psychologist along with everything else, putting a team together with the right kind of chemistry. Um, so I think you, 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 um, you either have to work you're working with coordinators and bringing them in. Uh, there, are ex there are examples of coordinators like, you know, Sean McVay or play calling or Kyle Shanahan obviously was part of our franchise and a great success here and moved on, obviously even greater success elsewhere. But those are both play callers, but they've surrounded themselves with a structure that allows them to um, either get enough coaching on the other side of the ball or enough support in their role as a head coach where they can maintain the focus on, on the football side of the business the way they, the way they have to. 
So I think, um, you know, if you bring in a coordinator today, I think any coordinator would say is that, you know, I mean, I'm great at one side of the ball, the other side of the ball, but, you know, I'm going to need some work to help frame out my job as a head coach and to make sure that my time and attention gets balanced on both sides of the ball because, you know, one side of the ball, the other side of the ball, they're both they're both, they're both critical. Uh, there's no question the league is leading more to an offensively-minded uh play these days with the number of points being scored versus in the past, et cetera. But, you know, you got to have a great defense to be able to play competitively. We had a we had a very good defense this year. Uh, it wasn't consistently great uh, and certainly had its its um, its moments of stress in the last four or five games. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, um, I think as Richard said, you want to cast the widest net you can. And then because of the process we go through today for all the right reasons, slowing things down. Uh, Ambassador Rooney was right many years ago, 17 years ago, and we told me, breathe, take it easy. You'll find the right guy. And, uh, and obviously he did, and I know we will too, and we have. Uh, just not somebody over that period of time. But, you know, we want to make sure that whoever we bring in, we make sure that he has all of the tools in their toolbox that they need to be fully supported so they can be fully successful. Um, so, uh, it's it, it is a more demanding job I think than it was 20 years ago. Rich could speak to that. He would tell you about I don't know about his dad. I don't know how his father would feel about that today. Um, but I suspect you know uh, in many ways even more demanding than when uh, when Coach McKay was at Tampa or you know prior years at USC. Does that mean that your philosophy has changed just in terms of how you weigh? Head coaching experience. I, I say for me, me personally, I think uh, it's it's a it's a you know it's a greater recognition. I think, and this maybe this gets back to the question that uh, Nick or um, one of the gentlemen were asking before earlier is that you know you refine as an owner. I think you refine your um, your definition of what it's going to take to help uh, head coach become really fully successful. What is everything that we can do? to give them the resources, and the resources is the culture, the environment, financial resources, all of those things, and to make sure they have the, all the peace parts that they need around them so they can they can produce the levels that represent the very best of them and represent the best for the franchise. And that will vary a little bit from person to person. So if you hire somebody who's got tons of experience as a head coach, they probably need less of that in certain areas because they have that experience. You hire somebody else, you can have to figure out, well, how do we make sure that they continue to stay focused on what got them here, which is you know, great football results, but how do we make sure they don't become diluted in terms of their, their results on the football field and make sure they have everything else around them so they can be fully successful? Um, and I, I, I do think uh, that most coaches in the NFL would probably say their job compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago is more complicated today than it than it's been in the past. Uh, so we need to recognize that and fill in the blanks for them. Hold, help them. Was it a mistake not to pursue Lamar Jackson? Was it a mistake to not pursue? You're asking me. I'll, I'll, I'll give. My, yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's easy to say yes, you know, looking given his year, he's an obviously an incredible player. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, did not have the cap space. I think the coaching staff felt, uh, coaching personnel, all of us felt collectively, but certainly coach and 
Terry, that, you know, we felt we had an answer in, uh, in Ritter, a uh, younger player, without, you know, that kind of contract that would have kept us from actually building the team we, want, we wanted to build. Is, you know, what's happened to us too often in the past, Josh, and you've seen this, and many people in this room can remember players, that we've drafted well, brought them along, got to year four, year, two, year five, we had to let them go because we didn't have the cap space. It's not a question of cash, we didn't have the cap space, so we had to let players go. That's not a good, that's not a good formula. We want to be able to raise our own children and keep our own children as best we can. Um, so I think, you know, the, the result of that thinking was that let's um, let's stay the course let's uh, uh, continue to pursue the vision that we have now continue to build a roster build this foundation offensively and defensively uh, and and go from there uh, it's not a criticism of Lamar uh, you know you can debate whether or not uh, he would have really been available or not you know who knows uh, whether they would have matched uh, whatever office run all right Arthur blank owner of the Falcons telling us about the fire of Coach Smith. Let's move on to Vrabel because this is still relevant in the same topic. Mike Vrabel fired by the Titans. And a lot of people want to see that man here in Atlanta. Hmm. But I would think that, like, I wouldn't have a good taste in my mouth bringing him here, and not because I dislike the man, but because of what happened with Arthur Smith. What if he brings in Arthur as his OC? He can't do oh, that. Oh, God. He can't do that and just keep him here? Well, then let's just bring Dan Quinn back. <laughs> no. I, I, I would I, love to have <laughs> Quinn back. I think with Mike Vrabel, the situation in Tennessee, it, it kind of just played his course, right? I mean, he was there for some years, and sometimes it's one of those situations where I think things kind of get stale, and they were probably about to hit the button kind of on a rebuild situation. So I think when you're rebuilding, they probably want to bring in a offensive whiz sort of coach there since that's kind of where they struggled a little bit as far as um, getting an offense together. They'll probably, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback position. But, yeah, I think Mike Vrabel's a guy who's had some success in the NFL as a head coach, so I think he will get some calls from some other teams. Oh, I definitely think he's not out of a job, <laughs> no. but I don't think bring him to Atlanta. I just for me, No, I don't think that's the kind of coach that, that they're looking for. If no. you didn't have Arthur Smith before him, then perhaps, and they might still interview him. My choice is Eric Bieniemy, flat out. I'll go, just go ahead and say number one, Eric Bieniemy, I think, is the guy. I think he's enough of a smart guy on offense. When you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they struggle without Eric Bieniemy this year. When you think about when um you know what he can be as an offensive play caller, how we can use the weapons that they have on offense, all those first round picks that they have, I think Eric Bieniemy is the right guy for this situation. We'll talk about that later because I'm getting in on it too. But let's do Dejounte Murray real quick because we only got about a minute. Yeah. So apparently the Spurs um, are interested in bringing him back uh, to San Antonio. Maybe they miss what they had. They want that old thing back. So uh, <laughs> so um, you know. That might be a situation where the Hawks might be looking to trade him. It really hasn't been a great fit here with Trey Young. So, to me, it makes some sense, that right? That experiment, no, it makes sense. That experiment has expired as well. <laughs> uh, they are not good running mates. It's gone. Uh, yeah. I, I think we knew this from the jump because right. I don't think, and this is nothing against Trey, but I just don't think Trey loved the idea to begin with. Right? No, it didn't seem like a natural fit It in was something way. that Nate McMillan did and just... You know, and Nate Mellon did say, like, Trey was like, okay, cool, let's do it. But I still don't think it was 
It was like, let's just take this good player, take this good player, let's see if it works out. That's yeah. kind of what that was. So, And it, it didn't. doesn't always no, work out. It didn't. A, a lot's not working out with the Hawks this season. Um, <laughs> they have not looked good. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's the defense, it's the defense. And that is one thing, Scott, that they did not. They knew the defense was a problem last season. And, like, what did they really do this offseason to fix that? Nothing. I mean, that's they probably thought getting Quinn Snyder as a head coach with – and he's, a good defensive, he's a good defensive-minded coach, but, like, right. It doesn't matter. If, if the players don't have the desire to defend, it doesn't matter what the coach preaches. And, you know, it's just background noise after a while. So. We have a ton of desires to keep talking to you, but we got to go, guys. <laughs> That's what's on That's our okay. minds. That's okay. We'll be back. We will be back. Have a great night, everyone. Later.